Well, today I want to talk to you about perspective. See, in art and in architecture, when an architect is going to design a building, before the construction begins, this architect stands from a place. And from this place, he can visualize how this building is going to look like, how this building is going to, to, to be lit, and how the light is going to shine through the windows, and, and pictures everything before it even comes into existence. All of us, we have a perspective of life. And we see life from a point, from a, from a perspective. This perspective, we call it a worldview. And this, it is our worldview that allows us to see the world through that lens. Our worldview is shaped by several elements. One of those elements is our place of birth. We see life, we see the world from, from our culture, from the place that we were born. We see life through the lens of our religion. We see life through the lens of our gender. We see life through the lens of every single thing that has affected our, our bringing in our life. And that perspective is the filter from which we see life. Now, this lens, this worldview, also shows us how and who Jesus is. Unfortunately, because of our imperfect perspective, we see a limited image of Jesus. And, and we don't seem to grasp what Jesus' entirely ministry and gospel is all about because we are limited by our worldview. And, and the problem is that according to our perspective, according to our worldview, is the size of our faith. Because we can only believe the things that we see. So what our worldview does not allow us to see, we don't understand and we can't see. So our faith is limited by the things that we can't see. So this morning, family, I, I like to, to share this idea with you, that, that Jesus, it's more than what we can see, Jesus is a lifestyle. Now, how do we go there? I'd like to share with you how we can attain a new perspective, how we can see our life through the eyes of God. And for that, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles or, or open your bulletins. The notes are there. And let's go, let's go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 9, verse 18. Luke, chapter 9, verse 18. See, as we know, while Jesus was on earth, he performed all kinds of miracles. He healed the sick, restored sight to the blind, he even resurrected people who were dead. But one of the things that we often forget is that Jesus worked in conjunction with people. 
And one of those stories is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. And, and we'll mention it in passing to where we're going today, but it is important to understand the frame or, uh, of the event that we're talking about this morning. Jesus had just fed 5,000 people with a couple of tuna sandwiches. You remember the story, right? So now there's 5,000 people, and this is, these 5,000 are only men who were counted. That does not include their wives or their children. Now, if let's say that half of those men were married, there were 7,500 people. And if they were like us, with each family having 2.5 children, we're talking about seven, I mean 10,000 people at least who were fed. Now, the disciples just witnessed this miracle. Because remember, they were lacking faith. Jesus, you got to send them home. It's late and uh, they got to eat something. And Jesus tells the disciples, you guys feed them. Now, did Jesus need the disciples to feed the people? No. Did Jesus need the fish and the bread to feed the people? No. He could do it all on his own. However, he asked the disciples for them to help. Now, having said that, we need to learn one thing, family. And, and, and if we are to see the authentic Jesus in our lives, we need to learn the need that we have to pray. We pray for many reasons. We pray for many reasons. We pray for food, right about the, when we're going to eat it. We pray for, for, for travel mercies when we get in the car and we're about to drive off on the road. We pray for needs that we have, all kinds of needs. But Jesus is about to teach the disciples a different kind of prayer. Verse 18, first part, if you, if you read it with me. Now it happened that as he was praying alone. Now, who is he talking about? Who's praying alone? Jesus. Okay, half of the church is awake. Now, who's praying alone? Jesus. Now, Jesus is praying alone. But notice, there's a comma. And then it says, the disciples were with him. Now, we know. It's not a secret that Jesus prayed. We know that. The Bible in several occasions says that Jesus got up early in the morning and went to a distance from the disciples to pray. But in these occasions, Jesus is not away from the disciples. Jesus is in company of the disciples. And as Jesus is praying, the disciples are listening to his prayer. I have no idea how the prayers of Jesus went. I have no idea how Jesus began to pray. In fact, I have no idea in the name of whom Jesus prayed. But I know one thing. That every time that Jesus prayed, he was asking for guidance from the Father for the next thing to come. Oftentimes we know that when Jesus prayed, he didn't want the outcome. And we know that because that prayer happened in the garden. Oftentimes we knew that, that God answered the prayers before he prayed. Like the time of Lazarus. But one thing we can know for sure. 
that Jesus prayed because he knew that that would be the only possible way in which he could be able to see the world through the eyes of the Father. He could see what was not there because he knew he was in contact with God, with the Father. Now, family, when we talk about prayer, we oftentimes hear sermons and we hear ideas and we, and we, we are taught that we need to pray, that, we, that to be honest Christians, we need to pray. To be real Christians, we need to pray. In fact, I've heard sermons that when, when things were said like this, if you don't pray at least 20 minutes a day, your Christian life is going to die. I don't know that there is a time. But I know that there is a reason to pray. Martin Luther said this. I'm so busy now that I, if I don't spend three hours each day in prayer, I could not get through the day. Now, he understood one thing. That to see, that to see the world like Jesus saw it, he needed to pray. Abraham Lincoln said, I have driven many times to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of those around me seem insufficient for the day. He needed the wisdom of God. So we know one thing. That to be able to see the world like Jesus saw it, we need to pray in the way that Jesus did. And that is trying to see the way the world, the way God sees it. The second thing that Jesus will teach us today in order for us to find them is that we need to mingle with the people. We need to mingle with the people. Verse, eight, verse 18, where we were, just the second part. And Jesus asked them after he prayed, who do the crowds say that I am? Who do the crowds say that I am? In many an occasion, Jesus had shown the disciples that the most important thing for him were people. That is the reason why he came, to save people. The most important thing for God is people. So Jesus is trying to tell the disciples, guys, it is important for you to pray, but it is also important for you to be with the people. The only way that they could know what the people would say, were saying about who Jesus was, was if they were with the people. There was an old hymn that I heard a long time ago. No man is an island. No man stands alone. A couple of you remember it. Now, and that is true in Christianity because, see, there isn't such a thing as a lone ranger Christian. I, I was talking to, to a person who, who went to the hospital this week, and he was with us in the Botella families. He does not come to our church, at least not yet. But in our conversation, he said, you know, I didn't think that the Adventist church were true Christians. But after witnessing what I saw today, I see the love of the people towards this family, and I tell you that now I'm reading about you, and I'm going to be calling you, and I think that God is telling me that you're going to play an important part in my life now. 
Notice that it wasn't the Bible studies, it wasn't the doctrine, it wasn't the sermon, it was the actions. It was being with the people. And I tell you, family, I'm so proud of you because more than 300 of you showed up to support the family. And that is exactly what Jesus is talking about. We need to, you guys need to mingle with the people. Uh, it, it is said about a... Uh, um, uh, Mother Teresa, when she was alive, uh, that one of the, of the young people who used to go for mission trips to Calcutta, where she was, he writes one of his experiences with her. And he says that one day, they were sitting together on, in the same pew as they were worshiping uh, on that morning. And one of the things that attracted this young man and called his attention was that when he looked at the feet of Mother Teresa, her feet had crooked toes. And her feet were kind of deformed. He didn't say anything. He was just surprised and amazed of what he had seen. So later on, he asked one of the persons who were there all the time and asked, you know, this is what I saw. Is she sick? What's going on with her feet? So this person said, you know, when, when, when a shipment of clothes and, and shoes arrived to this place to be given to the sick, she lets everyone else get shoes first. And whatever is left, she takes. Oftentimes, the shoes are too small for her size. But she still takes those shoes because she wants everybody else to get the right size. Most important thing for her were people. So in order to see the world like Jesus, we need to love. The third thing that Jesus teaches the disciples is that in order to see the authentic, the, the real Jesus, we need to have an experience with Him. Have you ever tried anything new? Like new food? I don't know. Some of us, you know, we, we see it. We, we don't like it. We don't like it when we see it. We don't want to eat it. Some of us don't want to try anything new. We, we, we try anything new. We, we like the things that we do all the time, and, and we don't want to experience anything that is different. But what Jesus is saying is that oftentimes we have to try the things that we haven't tried before. You see, one time I was a speaker at a youth camp, and uh, after a couple of, of messages, one of the young guys came and said, Pastor, can I ask you something? I said, sure. So, so he began to tell me about this girl that he had met. And he said, you know, this girl is so awesome and she's so pretty and, and this and that, you know. And, and this is the kind of girl that I wish one day I would marry. And, uh, but he's telling me all about this girl. And I asked him, have you told her that? And he said, oh, no, 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 because if I tell her, what if she rejects me? And I told him, well, I guess we'll never know. See, oftentimes, oftentimes we don't know what's going to happen until we try it. I told him, 
The no, you already have it. All you have to do is try. Ask her. And see, what Jesus is saying is that we already have a perspective of life. We already have a worldview. And as miscued and as imperfect as it is, we already have that. So the only thing that Jesus is offering to us, it's a better worldview, a better perspective, a better experience to life. And he's, what he's saying is, guys, all you have to do is try it. Verse 19. And they answered, John the Baptist. See, Jesus asked, remember, what are the, who do the people say that I am? So some answered, John the Baptist, but others say Elijah, and others, both that you might be one of the prophets of all that has risen. See, knowing the experience of others is nice. But when you have your own experience, it's better. Oftentimes we live vicariously through others. That's why we watch all these videos on YouTube. Oh, that is so cool. You know the way they jump and what they do, but would you try it? No. No. Because we like to experience life through others. But what Jesus is saying, guys, you got to experience life on your own. You got to try it on your own. Verse 19. Then he said to them, but who? Who do you say that I am? See, now it's not about the others. Now it's not about the other people. Now it's about you. And our family, let me tell you, this is the question that all of us need to answer at one point in our lives. Who do you think Jesus is? Now, Peter, Peter is the guy that always responded, always had the answer. He always had something to say. But this time he got it right. He said, Jesus, you are the Christ of God. Now, this word Christ, we use it a lot now, but oftentimes we forget what it means. Christos, which is the Greek that Peter used in that particular moment, is the Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah. Now, you do remember that the, the Jews were hoping for the Messiah to come. That was a promise that Isaiah expressed. And all the prophets in the Old Testament were talking about the coming of the Messiah. The, the history of the Jews was based on the promise of the Messiah coming and the kingdom that would follow. So Peter now has identified Peter, I mean Jesus, not as any other man like the crowds, but Peter has identified Jesus as the Christos, as the Messiah. Good, you're waking up. Now, Peter has spoken out of his own experience. Matthew 16, 18 tells us even more about this story, more details about this story. It says in verse 18 of Matthew 16 that Jesus tells Peter now after his response and his identification of Jesus as the Messiah. But I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, Peter responds, you are the Christ, and Jesus says, and you are Peter. You see that? But when people were confused, it's about who the rock is. A few years back, we had a chance to go to the Museum of the Vatican. And uh, 
after visiting the museum, we went around the, the Sistine Chapel, and then we got to the front door of the Basilica of St. Peter. As we're standing there, we're following a guide. And this young lady, this Italian lady, is telling us some of the history and architecture and details of the buildings and the, and the art that we were looking at. So when we get to the door of the, of the Basilica, St. Peter's Basilica, around the building there are letters. These big letters. They don't seem that big in that picture because they're about 40 feet high up and they're 10 feet tall, each letter. And she's talking about the density, the width, the, the, the bronze that we use, the process to put them out there. And when she was done, well, through the whole day, she had realized that every time she said something, I turned to Paola and told her, but the Bible says this about that. <laughs> so after a while, she picked up that I had another agenda. And uh, so when we got to this place and she's talking about the letters, she turned to me and said, so what do you think about that? And I said, well, I think they're out of context. Now there's silence in the group. She's like, what? Yeah, I think they're out of context. Because the, the letters that are there say, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. And you know what they believe, that Peter is a rock. So what I said is like, see, I think this is out of context because one day, Jesus was with the disciples. And he asked one question. Who do the crowd say that I am? And they responded, just like we read this morning. Some people say you're Elijah, some that you're a prophet, some that you're John the Baptist. And then Jesus asked the disciples, and who do you think that I am? And Peter responded, you are the Christ. So Jesus told Peter, Peter, because this has been revealed to you not by blood, but by my spirit, I tell you, on this rock, I will, build my, I will build my church. The rock was not Peter. The rock is the truth that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah. And on that rock, Jesus will build his church. Now this lady, this Italian Catholic lady is looking at me and saying, whoa, I never saw it that way. It makes so much sense. So there I am giving a Bible study in the Vatican. Now... But I tell you, family, that question, that question is for all of us. Who do you think that I am? If I think that Jesus is my Savior, I will try to share Jesus with everyone else who is not saved. If I think that Jesus is my friend, I will try to be a friend to every single person that I get in contact with. If I think that Jesus is my, my strength, I will try to comfort everyone who is in pain. If I think that Jesus is my hope, I will help everyone who is in need. If I think that Jesus is my Lord, I will live for Him. So family, I want to ask you a question this morning. Who? Do you think Jesus is? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just pray today that we get to see Jesus.
and the world through your eyes. Help us to understand what is that causes pain in your heart so that it could cause us pain too. Help us to see what brings joy to your heart so that it can bring us joy too. And help us, Lord, to see the plan for our lives the way you see it. So that in that way, we can see Jesus, the world, and everyone else around us. In the name of the Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.